We're going to pick up this evening right where we left off last Wednesday evening. So if you would turn your Bibles to Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4 and verse 27. Ephesians 4 and verse 27, the Apostle Paul wrote, neither give place to the devil. And as we've learned, the word for place there is topos. It's where we get our word topography. And so Paul wrote to the church, the church at Ephesus, don't give the enemy, don't give Satan any geographic territory. As pastor has dealt with this, he's emphasized that when Satan shows up, it's easier to kick him out, to drive him out at the beginning versus if you let him squat in your life, then the fight of faith becomes a little bit more difficult. But either way, if we'll fight the fight of faith, if we'll stand on the word of God, you know, how do we overcome? Revelation says it's by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. If you'll stand your ground, whether he just showed up or whether he's been squatting, if you'll stand your ground, if you'll drive him out, you can get the victory. You can obtain the victory. And we're not to give the enemy any geographic territory. We don't have to. We don't have to put up with or tolerate any work. James 4 and verse 7, submit yourselves then to God. You know, one of the things missing today in Christendom in the West is teaching on the Lordship of Christ. You know, there's a new film out about the Jesus movement in the 70s, which I think is wonderful, about simply people passionate about loving the Lord, being about Jesus, Jesus as Lord. And this is an, an ingredient that is so needed in the body of Christ today. He's to be Lord. He's to be Lord over the entirety of our lives. We, we shouldn't live a life where we live one way Monday through Saturday and then for Sunday or Wednesday we put on our, our church hat and we, we act, we get dressed up, we act dignified and oh so holy and oh so spiritual. Then as soon as we leave and get in the car, we, we take that hat off and we put on the other hat. You know, the old man, the old woman is supposed to be dead. We're supposed to be the new man, the new woman in Christ Jesus. And part of that is what James says, submitting yourself submitting the entirety of your life, submitting every part of your life to the Lord. And again, how can Satan have geographic territory in your life if you have submitted the entirety of your life to the Lord? And so what people do is they open the door, maybe through wrong relationships, wrong conduct, whatever it is, or an area of their life they've not submitted to God, and it gives the enemy an opening. And so we're to submit ourselves to God completely, totally, wholly, this is part of walking with them. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. Everybody say resist. resist. Uh, th this means we have a part to play. God, God's not going to do it for us. It's not automatically going to happen. We have to resist the enemy, which means we're going to have to exert some effort. You know, just because you win the fight of faith one day doesn't mean the enemy is never going to show up again. We saw that last Wednesday evening, referred to it in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter four, that Satan left the Lord for a more opportune time. And he's had thousands of years deceiving, leading people astray, getting people to quit and throw in the towel. And so when there's that moment of discouragement or when there's that moment where there's bad news or whatever it is, that's when the enemy shows up to lie, to deceive, to tempt, to, to get people to quit, to throw in the towel. So we have to resist him. Let's say it again. Say, say resist. resist. 
Oh, we have to resist him. And this is something that we don't just do once. Our entire life is to be resisting the enemy and surrendering ourselves to the Lord. Resisting the enemy and submitting our lives, surrendering ourselves unto God and to his word. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The Greek literally says he will run or flee from you as if in terror. So we're not to be afraid of the enemy. We're not to be afraid of the devil. Now, does this mean that the devil doesn't have power or ability? He does. But the authority that we have in Christ trumps that. So we're not to be afraid of him. We resist him and he runs from us as if in terror. But part, part of this is us not opening the door to things in our lives that ought not be in our lives. A few years ago, a lady that was a visitor brought to me a child, maybe seven or eight years old, little girl. She wanted me to pray that the little girl would not have nightmares. You know, we're, we're gracious, sure, I'll pray. But then I, I coached the mom on, you, you have to police what your daughter is watching and listening to and who she's hanging out with. You know, if you watch, you know, every year, I hate it, every year, you know, whether you go to the movies or, you know, Jessica and I haven't been to the movies a long time. Last time we went, she fell asleep halfway through, you know, just a break from the kids, you know, good nap time, amen. But you go, you go to the movies in October, they show all these movies that glorify Satan and the, the power of Satan. Well, you can't fill your heart and mind with all of that and walk in victory the way you should. Yeah, Satan can do some things, but in our lives, he doesn't have the authority, he doesn't have the place unless we give him a place. So we are to resist him, and the Bible says he will flee as if in terror, but we have to resist him. Turning your Bibles to Colossians 1, beginning in verse 13. Colossians 1, beginning in verse 13. For he, Christ, has rescued us. So this is past tense. We have the victory. You might say, Austin, I don't feel as if I have the victory, but in Christ you have the victory, and this is why we're to walk by the word and not by how we feel. Christ has rescued us, past tense, from the dominion of darkness and brought us into, King James says, translated us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So we have been rescued, past tense, from the dominion of darkness. But as we learned when we recently did, again, a series on 1 John, we have a part to play. We're to walk in the light. We have been rescued from the dominion of darkness, but this is why as Christians, we're to walk in the light and not in darkness. And we're not to play with the darkness. We're not to hang out with the darkness. And in dating and marriage, we're not to date and marry the darkness. Paul said we're not to be unequally yoked together. We are to walk in the light, as John writes in 1 John, as he is in the light. Why? He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption. So say that, say, say I am redeemed. redeemed. Say, say, I am forgiven. And you know, somebody today could have reminded you of this or that. Well, they're not the Lord. And praise God for it. Amen. They're not the Lord. They're not the judge. <laughs> We're not going to stand before that person at the judgment seat. We're going to stand before Christ. Amen. So in Christ, we are redeemed. We are forgiven. Then look at what Paul writes in the next verse about Jesus and about the devil and demons and having disarmed which is past tense. 
So the enemy has been disarmed. The enemy has been disarmed. The enemy has been disarmed in the life of the believer. Now again, the world glorifies Satan. Hollywood glorifies Satan. Hollywood glorifies the works of Satan. But in our lives, he has no place. He has no authority unless we give him a place, unless we open the door. He has been disarmed. Having disarmed, past tense, the powers and authorities, Jesus made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You know, if somebody's the heavyweight champion of the world, or someone is on the Super Bowl team, whatever it is, they, they don't care about the opinions of people in last place. And Satan, as far as the believer's life is concerned, Satan has been disarmed. So we have the victory. So we need to stop being afraid. We need to stop allowing ourselves to be pushed around and dominated. We, we need to stop allowing him, permitting him to, to try and show up to discourage us, to make us sad, to make us blue. Whatever it is, we are to do what Jesus said. We're to use our words. We're to use the word of God. We're to resist him. We are to drive him out and he needs to move on and bother somebody else. We're not to give him a place. No place whatsoever. He has been disarmed. So Satan has already been defeated. That's past tense. And as I said, you may not feel like you have the victory, but in Christ Jesus, you have the victory. Say, say that. Say, I have the victory. Say it again. Say, I have the victory. So when you're born again, you become a part of the winning team. And you might be a new believer. You might say, you know, I, ha I haven't even read, uh, read, read the shortest book in the New Testament. You might say, I'm a newbie. You're, you're on the winning team. You've been drafted onto the winning team. And in Christ Jesus, we have the victory. We have the authority. Say it again. Say, I have the victory. I have the victory. But this is precisely why we're, we're always rehearsing. Got to walk by faith. And walk by the word of God, not by sight, not by the circumstances. Because if you'll fight the fight of faith and say what the word says, over time, the circumstances will change. And over time, the circumstances will line up with the word of God. And then over time, the circumstances will line up with your confession. So we, we get it in our minds that it's a great big cosmic battle, that it's a great big struggle. It's not. We have the victory. We have the victory. Christ won the victory on Calvary. And then when he was in the grave, he took away the keys of death and hell away from Satan. We have the victory. We have the victory. We have the victory. And if you read, you know, you might be new to, new to the things of God, but you read the end of the New Testament, you find out we have the victory. We will have the victory. We're going to have the victory. We will forever have the victory. The end of the tribulation, Christ will set foot on planet earth, the wicked will be judged. The Bible says that blood will flow more than a thousand miles in every direction as high as the horse's bridle. Christ is going to rule and reign on planet earth for a thousand years while Satan is locked up, not allowed, not permitted to tempt or lead anyone astray. He'll be released one more time to gather the kings of the earth in rebellion. You might say, well, Austin, why would anyone rebel? Well, people aren't going to be happy about being ruled and reigned by Christ according to his word. 
They'll rebel again. That's Gog and Magog. And that'll be it. Satan will be thrown into the lake of fire. And the wicked will be thrown into the lake of fire after the great white throne judgment. So we have the victory. I have the victory. I have the victory tomorrow. I have the victory next week, next month. We'll have the victory when we're all in the city of God. Amen. Amen. And you read the end of Isaiah, when we're with the Lord in the city of God, you might say, Austin, why will no one ever head down the road of sin and rebellion again? Isaiah speaks of the fact that we'll be able to walk outside the city of God and we'll be able to go to a place and look out into and see the wicked suffering in the lake of fire. Well, that'll be a pretty good incentive to like, nope, the Lord's right. I'm not, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live for the Lord. So we have the victory and we need to enforce the victory that we have. We have Galatians 3, verses 13 and 14. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. So he, he was cursed on our behalf. It is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us. That's past tense. In order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, that's us through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So you've got to believe these faith facts in your heart and then take action with the authority you have in Christ. You've got to take your place in Christ and resist the enemy and run him out of your life. Drive him out of your life. Drive him out of your circumstances. You've got to run him out. Now, not everything is the devil. You know, if someone's weird, that's not the Holy Spirit. Someone's super spiritual, that's not the Holy Spirit. If someone's got a bunch of drama going on, that's not the Holy Spirit. You know, the New Testament deals with that. It's what 1 Corinthians is about. There's a whole a lot of drama going on at the church at Corinth, and Paul basically wrote a hot letter saying, knock it off. That's Austin's 2023 <laughs> summation of 1 Corinthians. Not everything's the Lord. Not everything's the devil. And that's why that daily Bible reading is so important. And that's why reading the New Testament and reading the epistles are so important to line our lives up with the Word of God. Because when you live the way the Word of God says, that, that brings you to a place of peace. That brings you to a place of green pastures and still waters. And then when the enemy shows up with stealing, killing, destroying, whatever it is, or there's a circumstance because we live in a sinful fallen world, then we fight the fight of faith. Then we take our stand and enforce the victory we have in Christ. But, but life has enough trouble. Life has enough circumstances without adding to it or creating our own or stirring things up. And all of those things are wrong seed and an open door to the enemy. In your life, and in your circumstances, don't accept defeat any longer. You don't have to accept defeat. Don't have to tolerate it or put up with it. You can get the victory. You can obtain the victory. You can come to the place of victory. Don't, don't accept negative circumstances any longer. If there's lack, don't accept it. You, you can have the victory in your finances. You can come to the blessed place in your finances. There's sickness, you don't have to accept it. I said you don't have to accept it. You can come to that healthy place. You can come to that well place. 
Jesus said in John 16 and verse 24, until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. The King James says your joy will be made, made full. Our lives are to be lives of answered prayer. Our lives are to be lives of victory. You know, we, we ought to be saying, the Lord did this, the Lord did that. There was this circumstance, I ran the enemy out and I, I have the victory. Our, our joy should be being made full and complete. We ought not look sad. We ought not look gloomy. We ought not uh, have some long story to tell every week. Our joy, we should ask and receive and our joy should be being made full. That's the Christian life. That's this life of walking with Christ. That makes, answered prayer makes Christianity joyful. We ought to live lives of testimony and praise. The Amplified, John 16, 24, the Amplified version reads, up to this time, you have not asked for a single thing in my name, but now ask and keep on asking. You know, once a minister took my father to lunch and used the pie illustration and tried to make my father feel bad about, you know, believing God for too much or doing so too well because the pie is only so big and the Lord's gonna run out of pie. The Lord is not going to run out of pie. The Lord is not going to run out of blessings. So you gotta, 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 you gotta set all that religious talk aside. I like to tease Pastor Sue. We get to the holidays, Thanksgiving, tease, you know, are pumpkin pies incoming? And when there's hesitation, I say, don't worry, they got plenty of those at Sam's. Just let me know, I'll go get plenty. And she, she hates me joking like that, but I like to tease my mom. But the Lord's not gonna run out. The Lord has plenty. Jesus said, ask and keep on asking. Tell, smile at your neighbor and tell him, say, keep on asking. Yes. Smile at your neighbor, say, keep on asking. Yes. So, so praise God you had the victory last week. Praise God you had a miracle last week. Praise God something good, something wonderful happened last year. Keep on asking. Keep on asking. Keep on asking. You might say, Austin, I don't have any needs. Ask on the behalf of others. I said, ask on the behalf of others. You know, that, this is part of the Christian life and prayer. And we'll, we'll be doing with that this year in the Holy Week Revival, the noon sessions, and that is praying for others. Intercessory prayer. We're to ask and we're to keep on asking. And that, that's not just for ourselves. That's for our church family. That's for those that are in spiritual leadership in our lives. That's for brothers and sisters in the congregation of the Lord. We're, we're mindful of them. We're mindful of the fight of faith, that they're, they're fighting in their lives, maybe in their physical body or with a child or loved one. Whatever the situation is, we are to ask and we are to keep on asking. But now ask and keep on asking and you will receive. Say, I will receive. I will receive. Say it again. Say, I will receive. I will receive. So ask and keep on asking. I love that. And you will receive so that your joy, your gladness, your delight may be full and complete. Tell your, tell your neighbor again, say, keep on asking. Keep on asking. Tell your other neighbor, say, keep on, keep on asking. You're not going to hurt the Lord's feelings by asking. You, you can't ask him for too much. We, we have all these ideas from religion. Well, that if I ask the Lord for this, that's okay. 
but I, if I ask him for a little bit more, that's probably too much, you know, and I, I, I ought not do that. We're to ask. We're to keep on asking. And yes, our motives are to be right. You read James. When we ask, our motives are to be right or pure. James deals with people asking with wrong motives. But again, if you're spending time in the word and prayer every day, the wrong motives, the Holy Spirit's gonna convict you. You're gonna deal with that. You're gonna ask the Lord's forgiveness. You're gonna make some adjustments in your life. So we're to ask. We're to keep on asking. How can our joy be full when loved ones are sick or bound by the enemy? How can our joy be full when we allow ourselves or permit ourselves to be defeated by life circumstances? And I say allow or permit because we have not realized the authority we have in Christ. And we have not realized and have not walked in the authority that we have in our own lives. We, we ought not put up with stuff. We ought not put up with stuff. We ought not put up with stuff. We, we live in a culture where there's a lack of excellence. We ought not put up with stuff. We ought to eat where people do things excellently. We ought to get our car serviced where people do things excellently. And I believe in getting it done right the first time. There's nothing worse than time being, being wasted. And uh, this is, you know, we, we all have different personalities. You know, I'm, I'm probably somewhere in between Pastor Gene and, and Pastor Sue. You know, Tuesday, Aaron and Adrian took me to lunch. You know, I'm trying to watch what I eat, ordered salmon, well done. Well, it was uh, well done on the outside, but not on the inside. Looked like a jello or something on the inside. And uh, I like my food cooked. Sometimes I get in trouble with Jessica because uh, when I reheat my food, I reheat it till it melts to the plate. I, I get in trouble sometimes. But I like it well, well done. Sufficient, I, I, don't do, uh, I don't do raw, any of that. But it, it's still just my personality, you know? Oh man, you know, should I eat that? Shouldn't, you know, if I send it back, I'm gonna have to wait. Don't wanna say, we ought not accept stuff. We ought not accept stuff. We ought not accept stuff. Well, that, that's, what, that's what you ordered at lunch. Why should we accept anything the devil is dishing out? Amen. We ought not accept it. We ought not accept anything the enemy is doing. And so there's a discouraging circumstance or there's a need. Or maybe with a child or teenager or young adult, there's a bad attitude or whatever it is. We ought not put up with it. We ought not accept it. We ought not just come to the, you know, the, the soft place of, well, golly gee whiz, this is just the way the things are. No, it's not. Because we have the authority in Christ to demand the circumstances line up with the word of God. So our joy cannot be made full unless we walk in God's will and God's best. I think some of you are wondering, did he send it back? I did send it back, amen. <laughs> I, you know, because I knew I had to speak tonight. I, I didn't want to have a problem. Amen. <laughs> so for our joy to be made full, part of that is living this life of asking and receiving, living this life where we're lifting up our eyes, we're walking in God's will, God's best. But to do that, we have to understand the difference between hope and faith. And this is important in our prayer lives. Hope is not faith, and faith is is not hope. Too many believers mistake hope for faith. Faith is always now, present tense. Hope 
always puts things off into the future. As we saw in Romans chapter 4, Abraham had to change hope into faith. And that's part of the fight of faith is, all right, the prayer has not been answered. The victory has not been obtained. Where have I missed it? Where has Austin missed it? Now, what religion does when there's unanswered prayer or the victory has not been obtained, religion gets into excuse making. Well, it must not have been the Lord's will. Or maybe the Lord has some higher mysterious purpose. No, maybe, maybe Austin just missed something in the word of God. Maybe Austin has not been a doer of the word of God in a particular area of his life. Maybe Austin hasn't asked the Lord what to do. Because again, we, we do that, we, get, we start getting instructions and homework and assignment, all that good stuff. So Abraham changed hope into faith. And that is part of the good fight of faith. Remember from Hebrews 11, chapter 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, but faith is so much more than hope. Yes, hope is a part of faith. It is a building block in the element that is faith, but faith is so much more. Faith is the creative power of God. Faith releases the creative power of God. Hope sets goals, but faith is a creative, dominating force that brings about change. We're still at the beginning of the new year. We understand this. You know, every new year, people set all kinds of goals. They don't take any action on. The, the year goes by, get to January, what do they do? They set all kinds of like nice, wonderful goals. They don't take any action. A year goes by and they do that. At some point they die. It's depressing. That's hope. Faith takes action in the now, today, to change your life for the better so you have a better tomorrow. But again, we can't escape this thing of having to do something. Action, obedience, taking action. Faith releases the creative power of God. Faith is a creative dominating force. Hope cannot create, whereas faith builds. Faith gets things done. Faith grows, faith builds, faith dreams, faith envisions, faith gives birth, faith builds. And tonight, as an example, we're sitting in a building that, that faith produced. Hope so will not get the job done. Got to take action. And, it, and why don't people take action? Because it's work. It's work. It's work. You know, we're, we're meeting with architects tomorrow. It's work. You know, and, you know, I, Jessica and I have gone through that personally, where you go to a meeting, you say, you know, here are 10 changes, and they, they email you back, and they only make four of the 10 changes. And then you got to send, send five emails, make five phone calls to get the other six changes done. And then they mess something else up and then it's more emails. It's work. Building something takes work. And changing, seeing the circumstances of your life change from defeat to victory, it takes work. But praise God, we're not in it alone. We're not on our own. The Lord helps us. The Lord guides us. The Lord empowers us. Jesus strengthens us. He comes to our aid. And so as an example, we, we sit in a building on a property that faith produced. Since knowledge is capable of great things, 
But sense knowledge can never release the supernatural power of God. Faith that grows out of the word and out of our spirit brings us into contact with Father God. And such faith has great power. It confesses Jesus as Lord. What James said, submit yourself then to God. And such faith confesses according to 1 John 3 and verse 2, now we are the children of God. Say, say that's what I am. Say, I'm a child of God. Child of God. Say it again. Say, I'm a child of God. So we're made in his image. God said, let there be. So we ought to do the same thing in our lives. No, I'm not accepting this circumstance. No, I'm not accepting this circumstance that doesn't line up with the word. And we ought to say what we want based on the word. Prayer is a call to fellowship with Father God and to love him as he loved us. And in our lives to receive what he wants for us, for us to ask and receive and our joy be made full we have to understand the difference between hope and faith. Hope is not faith. Faith is not hope. If you live and operate solely in the realm of hope, you will be a spiritual failure. If you live in the realm of hope, you will, be, you will live in the realm of spiritual failure. Hope doesn't change anything. Hope doesn't change circumstances. And too many mistake hope for faith. They think if they hope or desire strong enough, it will bring the answer to them. It'll bring the desire to them, and it won't. Hope doesn't change anything. Hope is always future tense. Hope always puts things off into the future, and that's why hope and the hopes of so many are never realized. Somebody might say, Austin, I'd like to finish my education. What they're saying is, I hope someday I'll finish my education. But if you don't get online and enroll in any classes, you'll never finish your education. And today, with all this technology, there's no excuse not to finish. Even if you just take one class a semester, eventually you will finish. You know, and I, online started after I, I went to school. It's amazing. It's hard to believe how fast things have changed. And uh, we're all different. It was better for me to be in certain classes in person where you have to, the professor looks at you and you have to pay attention. I think it's a problem for some of these young people, you know, you know, they're like, do I, do I have the window open with class or do I watch a movie instead? It's an issue. But somebody might say, Austin, I hope to finish my education, but if you don't take action toward that goal, you'll never get there. This is the difference between hope and faith. Hope says, I, I have this dream, I have this desire, I would like to finish my education. Faith brings that into the now and faith takes action in the now to make that happen. Here's another example. Now, now, ladies, don't say amen when I use this example. Hope is like a husband telling his wife that someday he'll take her on vacation, and it never happens. And guys, don't, don't call yourself a faith man and operate that way. Hope always puts things off into the future. Faith takes action in the now. And again, we, you gotta get past upbringing. You gotta get past religion and take action in the now to walk in what belongs to you. My mother's father gave his life to the Lord on his deathbed before he passed. Praise God for it. You know, he immigrated, you know, he faced terrible things during World War II, immigrated to America, served in the armed forces, earned his citizenship. Then he went to work for GE in the jet 
engine aircraft division. Can't be making mistakes in that part of the company. He eventually started his own machine shop, which specialized in you know, certain special parts. A hardworking man, a self-made man, a multimillionaire. But he was the kind of guy that always put things off into the future and never enjoyed the fruit of his hard work. I remember I would have been maybe junior high age, was in the 90s, we were there in Ohio with family, and, and I don't know how we ended up at a Mercedes dealership, but we were, and my grandfather was there, and th this was the 90s, things were so much cheaper in the 90s. And there was a silver S-Class there in the showroom floor. You know, my grandfather was the kind of guy, he would, he'd go and get like a model from two years ago that had the dealership, the Cadillac dealership had not been able to sell, or it was some odd, unique color. <laughs> that, that was the mentality. And so I remember being in the Mercedes dealership with him, saying, Grandpa, you ought to buy that car. Grandpa, sit in that car. You know how that goes. Once you sit in it, it is hard to say no. And I did my best, Grandpa. You, 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 you worked hard. You have the ability to write a check. You ought to sit in that car. You ought to drive that car. Great car. You can drive that as long as you want. And he just wouldn't do it. He just wouldn't do it. Hope always puts things off into the future. One day I'll do something nice. One day I'll go on vacation. Well, when you live that way, one day may never come. Unlike hope, faith is now, and faith takes action in the now to see your dreams come to pass, to see the circumstances of your life change for the better. Romans 4, beginning in verse 17 as it is written, Paul writes, I have made you, referring to Abraham, a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. How do we know Abraham believed? He took action. He took action. He never would have had Isaac if he had not taken action. He took action against all hope. Abraham, in hope, believed. So he, against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed. And so even as an old man, he kept taking action. He believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. So hope is not faith, and faith is not hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, but faith is so much more. Too often, hope wins the battle against faith, and the individual doesn't take any action toward their dreams and desires. In Abraham's life, Faith won out. You know, Sarah laughed. You know, the Lord changed their names to help them out. They obviously took action. So Abraham, against all hope, in hope, believed, and so he became. And in his life, faith won out. And to get your answer to prayer, to get your dream or desire, to get the victory, you're gonna have to let faith and hope duke it out and faith win. And faith takes action in the now. Yes, Abraham had hope, but then he counted the thing that he hoped for as done. He took action accordingly with Sarah, and that's faith. He went from future tense hope to present tense faith. And again, in praying and obtaining the victory, if you want the answer, you gotta take action in the now. Abraham claimed the son the Lord had promised. 
Romans 8, verse 24, for in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And we've learned this during the Holy Week revivals and when we've taught on prayer, that this is why, according to Mark 11, we pray once and then we believe we receive. We believe we receive until we receive the physical manifestation of whatever it is we have asked for, whatever it is we want or desire. But by faith and by the action we're taking, we have it. And that's why faith is our title deed. Hebrews 11.1, 1, the NIV, faith is being sure or certain. If you're certain, you're going to take action. If you're certain, you're gonna do something. Faith is being sure or certain of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. The King James, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I added here in my notes in parentheses, the things not yet seen, meaning what? I don't see them yet, but I will. Why? Because I'm taking action in the now. I'm acting as if the word of God is so. And I'm taking action in the now because I believe I receive. I'm taking action in the now because I believe I receive that what the word says belongs to me. The amplified version. Faith is the assurance or the title deed or confirmation of things hoped for or divinely guaranteed. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. I put again in parentheses in my notes, the things not yet seen. I may not see it yet, but I will. It's just a matter of time. I may not see it yet, but I will. It's just a matter of time. And when Jessica and I were believing God for bigger house and more bedrooms, and the reality is we should have believed for bigger, amen. More room for everyone to go to their corners. I'm teasing. The other day I was in my office studying and then I just looked up and everyone was in my office with me. I need an office away from the office. I need a secret office now. We're not to have it or do anything in secret, amen. But you know, we're, everybody's here in the office with me. It's wonderful, praise the Lord. <laughs> but we believe, we take action to get there, and you may not see in the present, but faith is your title deed, and you take action in the now. And as I, I, I mentioned with the architects, you send those emails, you make those phone calls, or when you build, you send those emails, you make those phone calls, and. You don't just take someone's word for it. You show up and walk the construction site every single day. Then you go down to Home Depot. Things I learned from pastor. You buy a great big level about this big so the builder sees you coming with a great big ginormous level. And then you get, I don't know if the right word is square, but we've got, we still have it. It's huge. We could use it when we build phase two. But it, it's, it's literally about this big. You show up and say, I'm going to start checking corners. We take action in the now, and faith is our title deed that we will soon have what we believe God for and what we're taking action toward. Faith is the assurance, the title deed, or confirmation of things hoped for, the evidence of things not, and I added in my notes, not yet seen. I may not see it yet, but I will. Why? I'm taking action in the now. We could shorten the verse this way. Faith is the title deed to things hoped for. So you may not have what you want or desire or what you've asked for yet. Why don't we all say that? Say, say yet. yet. But, but faith is our title deed that it's on the way. Now, if we just operate in hope, I hope so, maybe, 
one day, I'm gonna put on a Celine Dion song and hope for the best. That's hope. Faith says it's mine according to the word of God. I'm gonna act like it's mine and I'm gonna take action to see it become a reality in my life. That's faith. And with faith, you may not have it yet, you may not see it yet, but you soon will. Because you're not operating in the realm of hope, which is hope so and maybe, you're operating in the realm of faith and you're taking action toward your dreams and desires. Our faith is our title deed. Hebrews 11.1, 1, the centenary translation says, faith is the title deed to things hoped for, the putting to proof of things not seen. True believing, Abraham against hope, believed and so became. True believing is action. And faith, true faith, causes us to take action. It gives substance to things hoped for. It brings our hopes into the present, into the now. Hope is never now, but faith is always now. If I hope to be healed, I'm gonna have to be buried at some point. If I hope for prosperity and only have hope, then I'll never have prosperity. I'll never have more than enough. A man's investments are all in the future. He buys stock hoping the stocks will rise. He buys land hoping he might sell it for more money in the future. There's no present tense blessing with hope. A man or woman just who lives on hope, they, they never take action. They, they, they might like the word of God. They might love the word of God. They might love Jesus, but they never take action upon the word. A hoper, some, someone who lives in the realm of hope, they only give mental assent to the word. I agree, I believe, but they never take any action. And that's why the circumstances of their life never change. The hoper admires the word of God. They know it to be true. A hoper might even suffer for their conviction that the word of God is true in times of persecution, but the hoper never takes action on the word. They only give mental assent to the word of God. They don't take action because they don't have faith. They're living in the realm of hope, but they don't have faith. Many believers are good people. They love the Lord. They're good people, but they don't enjoy the benefits of all that belongs to them in Christ. And why is that? They're living in the realm of hope. They're not taking action on the word of God in faith. They might believe their denominational creed. You, know, you go to the Southern Baptist Convention website, can find the statement of belief. They might agree with it all. Somebody might be Assembly of God. You go to the Assembly of God website. They might agree with the denomination statement of faith, but they don't take action on the word. Faith is now. Faith takes action on the word of God. Faith takes action today for a better tomorrow. And this is why the true believer, the man or woman who takes action on the word, the true believer is a possessor of all that belongs to them in Christ. Say this, say, the believer is a possessor. Say, I will possess every blessing and every benefit that belongs to me in Christ. If it's mine, I want it. If it's mine, I want it. You know, our children like 
Chick-fil-A. And so we'll drive through and, you know, use the app and get the reward points. I believe in working every angle. Amen. Sometimes they'll send me a, a special. I can't believe I'm telling this story. And I, I drove through one day and I said, I have a special. And they wouldn't give it to me. And I thought, and I, I, I protest a little bit. You know, you, you, you emailed me. I didn't email you. So that, that sandwich is mine, and I'd like it, please. I don't know, I, I did something wrong in the process. Because somehow I sent Jessica, that, you know, she went another day for the kids, and I said, they owe me a sandwich. And somehow Jessica was able to take possession of that sandwich. So, <laughs> but that's just a chicken sandwich. If it's mine, I want it. And we have so many blessings and benefits that are available to us in Christ. But we just can't hope to have these things. We're going to have to do something. We're going to have to take action on the Word of God. And when the enemy shows up, stealing, killing, and destroying, whether seriously or through people, we have to resist him. We have to drive him out. We have to not give him any geographic territory. Say this, say, I'm going to take action. Say, I'm not going to live in the realm of hope. Say, I'm going to take action, and I'm going to take possession of all that belongs to me in Christ. Amen. Well, I hope the message was a blessing, encouragement to you this evening.